Oscar Poker. sublet for the uh, New York stay. It's a little studio on uh, West 70th and um, a patio out back with mm. uh, air coming in. It's on West 70th? Yeah. Oh, man. Very nice. Really, really, uh, really pleased with this. So can you, uh, how do I sound? I mean, you sound great. I, I really yeah. wish I could stay in that place. Right. <laughs> well, I know the woman's name and she sublets. So if you ever come back and you want to pay 500 a week, which is what I'm paying. Oh, I would in a heartbeat. So definitely give me your name. I'll, I'll uh, oh, oh God, 500 so cheap for a week in New York. That's a good, uh, good rate for for New York. It's, God, um, on 70. I wouldn't. Now, when I sublet my place, to you know, I kill two birds with one stone. I have a subletter or, or a tenant come in. Like I have a couple there now, and of course, I, they I get somebody to take care of, and uh, feed and bond with my cats while I'm gone. So it, hmm. it makes sense. But I don't have the heart of a capitalist. I cannot charge market rates right. as every single person in this city does. They all rip you for whatever you they can get. Now, uh, 500 is not. Uh, you know, uh, unfair. It's fine, but you know, I'll bet. Oh you my God! Are you kidding me? For an apartment, she's, been here she's oh. probably paying twelve hundred a month or something. I know, but come on, give me a break, wouldn't you? And she's only paying. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, she I, could charge know. a thousand a week and probably get it. She had, but she says since the uh, the crash, she hasn't been able to oh. get the money. But um, oh, I'm uh, so excited! I hope I get. Anyway, I, I don't charge one nickel more than what I pay. In fact, I even throw in the utilities free. So uh, that's what kind of that's what kind of poor capitalist I am. So. Mm, I, I love the that. Antithesis, antithesis of the slumlord. That's <laughs> Give me one second. I'll be right there. Hang on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So how's it going, Phil? Good, good. How's everything with you, Sasha? Pretty good. Do you have some good news about Moneyball, I hope? I understand from the... It's absolutely... Just to start off the box, obviously, it's, of course... Utterly, 100% meaningless. That um, now I've forgotten which one, which actually won the uh, number dolphin, one slot. Yeah, what? it was dolphin tail. So I mean, just dolphin. Well, well, why are people show. saying it's it's Moneyball? They were on Friday, but then it, right, Phil? It, well, was, yeah. Well, what you have to understand is Moneyball was ahead Friday. But anything that is aimed at families is going to over... A movie has to have a huge lead. Like, Moneyball would have had to have a huge lead over Dolphin Tale on Friday 
for it to win the weekend because anything that's aimed at families hits a big surge on Saturday because that's when families can go during the day and everything. So you get that that huge rush of activity. So that that's what happened here. Moneyball started off ahead and then it it fell to the side, which is pretty yeah. standard stuff. Um, so Moneyball, I mean, it dipped 36 percent. It's this is its second weekend. That's not. It's it's good. I mean, it's it's healthy, but it's not. Um, you know, on the same level as something like, you know, the help or, or the blind side or anything like that. I mean, right. so I, I think we're going to see, end up seeing something closer to a, you know, a four multiplier, which is still very good than mm-hmm. five that we originally thought maybe it had a shot at. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, by all means a success and, and it's a, it's a solid hold. Um, again, I think it goes back to, you know, the, the fact that there's no big, you know, fireworks in, in the end, you know, they don't win the world series. They don't do that. And, I think that has, you know, kind of generated some some tepid responses. You know, some people just aren't as crazy about it, but hmm. you know, it's what yeah. it is, and it has its fan base, and that's fine. You know, it you're does... never going to any any original, strong, particular film is always going to run into trouble with the meat and potatoes crowd if you don't do the meat and potatoes. It's astonishing that people actually say, you know, despite being served the same meatballs, potatoes, and green beans. You know, after the 389th time, what would you like to eat? I would like meatballs, mashed potatoes, and green beans. Yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, it really is. It's, you know, people don't like, they don't like, you know, subtlety and, and everything like that. Or, or It's just not accepted. I mean, I, I love how subtle the ending is. I love that he's mm. just listening, driving in a truck, you know, listening yeah. to his daughter sing. That, to me, that's an awesome ending. To other sure. people, they want the World Series and the popping champagne and, you know, everything yeah. like that. They don't look at it as a big, you know, moral victory that even though he didn't win the, the big game, right. um, he right. still proved that this can be done in, in some way. And, you know, that's unsatisfying. So, hmm. whatever. Um, Do you think, Sasha, by the way, you were telling me, Sasha, you didn't care for the last passage in David Denby's New Yorker review of Moneyball mm-hmm. in which he felt that there was irony and that these guys, their real passion... Uh, wasn't like you know uh, hits or the sound of the ball getting hit by a by a powerful slugger or the smell of grass or any of that sensual stuff, but really just numbers, mm. uh, you know, kind of a, a very metrical, very very yeah. very stat, stat and and that that's the you know he felt that there was something missing or it should have been pointed out or the or, uh, and you didn't care for that. No, I thought it was a misreading of it because it's the same the same way people misinterpret Oscar blogging for oh you're just into the stats you're just into the um, the yeah. cold way of looking at it. it's not true underneath all that is passion for for movies and I I saw that in Jonah Hill's character and in Billy Bean that there was there was a passion for for the grass for the hit for the game. It just, yeah. you know, that scene where Jonah Hill's sitting there watching the game and he looks over at Billy Bean. I mean, to me, it was perfectly mm-hmm. clear that, yes, they were focusing on the numbers, but their hearts were in this, too, right. you know. So I didn't well, like that reading of it. I thought it was wrong, mm-hmm. although I did think his review was pretty well written all the way, you know, all the way yeah. through. Well, it's, it's clear that they, they care about the players. I mean, I, I, I think there's a, a very much an underdog story to it. I mean, you know, Billy Bean just sympathizes with people who, you know, didn't get their shot, really. Totally. Um, You know, because he feels he got, you know, shafted a little bit. It comes Um, through so beautifully. And and that's why I think the movie's going to wear well over time, you know. Yeah, yeah. It will, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of the, I think it'll become, you know, essential viewing for for baseball fans, the same way as Natural and and Field of Dreams, you know. I mean, 
I uh, asked uh, uh, some people to, to chime in about whether they agree with me about 50-50, which uh, also opened this weekend, uh, whether they considered it, uh, you know, basically just a really uh, a strong, kind of soulful movie that had, uh, uh, you know, seasoning of, of laughter. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it was riddled with jokes, but not, not riddled. It was, uh, you know, flecked with humor, but not really a, a comedy comedy. And uh, most people disagreed. Oh no, no, it was definitely funny. You know, it was laughs. You know, so I guess I'm in the minority on that. Is is that what? Because uh, it did uh, re- relatively well for this opening, didn't it? Or would you consider it a um, short faller? Yeah, I'd say it fell a little bit short. I mean, we thought it had a shot at at least hitting 10 million, and it's ended up at about you know 8.9. Um, but the the good thing is i thought it was going to be more of a polarizing film it seems to be the exact opposite it has an a minus from cinema score which is very good um mm-hmm. and then on flickster from from more than fifteen thousand reviews or, or i'm sorry more than sixteen thousand, it has a 94 percent approval rating which puts it in the range of you know the help and, and warrior wow i'm really surprised by um mm. so i don't know if it's a case of you know the, the people that are really passionate about it are the ones who are going online and, and saying and, and you know the ones who you know, were were turned off by the fact that you know you're you're kind of making light of a very serious situation, or just not going online. But the, the word of mouth seems to be great, and and that'll help it hang hang around. But even even so, with an opening below 10 million, it's hard for it to you know really pick right. up that much momentum and, and gain. So I mean, I think it's something that'll grow once it hits home viewing platforms. Uh, you know, it's it's something people will be more willing to to take a chance on, you know, Netflix or, or renting it or whatever. Um, so, I, for what it's worth, my 23-year-old son uh, wrote me without uh, any prodding from, from from this end saying he absolutely loved it. Mm. See, I'm, I I can't get on board, and I'm, I'm in the minority here for sure, and I, and I do want to give it another shot because, like I said, I saw it at a convention. I was tired, you know. It's, You're yeah, not really in the, the minority, right. though, I don't think, because there are a lot of, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, on the cinema score, but the critics did not go for this movie, Jeff, the way that, that I thought that they would. Um, and, in fact, it's it's very lackluster reception from the critics. Totally. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even notice it. What are the numbers on uh, on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes? Pretty low. I mean, pretty low, and it didn't get like a lot of. It's it's fifth. It's um, well, actually, it's not too bad. It's seventy-two on Metacritic. That's not too. Well, that's weird. I mean, it's ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's actually, that's really good. I mean, yeah, every single critic in the room that I saw it in at the Wilshire screening room, everybody was standing outside. There wasn't any, uh, you know, quibbling at all. It was a, it was, you know, so yeah, that, but that's it's not. Good, no? but it's it's good. It's just it's not great. It's not Moneyball good. It's not you know. It's not up there. It's not Oscar good. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's not Oscar good. Uh-huh. I, and the best actor race is so competitive. You know, um, uh-huh. I don't know. What do you think, Phil? Do you think that that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a shot at, uh, at at an Oscar nomination for this. Well, I, I don't know. I'm biased because, you know, as, uh, as we discussed last week, I just don't like the I don't like him. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think he can get in. I mean, it's it's so competitive. I mean, when you when you look at it and you see that basically, you know, I, I consider three spots already gone: you know, Leo, Brad Pitt, and Clooney. And no, I think he's a Spirit Award. Yeah, exactly. I do too. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see him getting in the five here. Uh-uh. Yeah. He's got. Or, he's you know he has to have a couple. Um, he, or the, or the still, Gotham Awards. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think he's still viewed as you know kind of a young up and comer. You know he needs maybe a couple more showy roles before the Academy says okay you know now it's yeah. time to 
to pat you on the back. So it's it's not going to happen for this one. I thought the big showy role that he had was 500 days. That was wonderful. No, it was, but not Academy way. Not no, no. That's you know quirky. You know, get you to bigger things, kind of. Yeah. You know, you know younger. Uh, I mean, that's skews way younger than the Academy type. <laughs> the Academy. I, I listen every time you say the word Academy, uh, Sasha. You know, it's always like no, no, we don't like that. Oh we God, like, just you know. Can I just it say? Gets me so angry to hear. I know, that, oh, I know. No, it's not Academy. Well, you just know. Well, what do we have to do? How many times do you have to be put on your knees, blindfolded, and, and forced to eat shit before you realize <laughs> this is there is such a thing as the way they vote, quote unquote? No, you can only that, fight. That has for... to be fought tooth and nail. Yeah, but pick your battles. Air. I'm not going to pick Joseph Gordon-Levitt as my battle this year. It's not, not? going to be because I, there are, because Michael Fassbender, for one thing, is is number one on my list of trying to get into best the best actor race. And there are so many. George Clooney's a lock. Brad Pitt's getting close to being a lock. Maybe He's I don't not know. Getting Who knows? Close to being a lock. He's been a lock from the day that movie began. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yes, yes. I, don't know <clears> I hope he gets in. Is. What is your hesitancy about Brad? My hesitancy is the history of them awarding. Um, oh God! Now we're going back to them again. <laughs> <laughs> what are the it assholes? It is because it's their well, vote. The assholes are a little slow. I don't know if they're going <laughs> to like it or not. Hey, you have a there. That's a good point, Sasha. The assholes might not. You like know what? And the more you that's hammer good. it, the, think about that. Fact, seriously, the more you hammer. Tribute to the asshole. The more you hammer at home like that, the less likely they are to do what Jeff Fuck them. You know, fuck these people. I'm so sick of these people. <laughs> they don't like, he's not, you know, I just, I'm blowing my cork at these people, you know. And you're, and it's not you, Sasha. You, you're passing along because you're very sensitive and you understand the culture and you're, you know, you're living it as much as, as you know, any of us are, but you really get it, and I and I give you what I feel about them. So don't right. misunderstand. What no, I understand. Believe me, Jeff, I've known you long enough to know that. It's just that last year <laughs> should have taught us a big lesson, and it did teach me a lesson. And the lesson is, it doesn't matter it's how absolutely. many critics. Look at how many awards. I'm not going to keep beating this dead horse, but I, I just want people to know because someday they're all going to understand why last year was such an anomaly why it was such a freaky year because it proved beyond any sort of doubt that a movie can win every single critic award and still not win the oscar i mean every one yeah there's always been wiggle room like this one won that this one but social network across the board 100 percent. so it's it's just weird that that, and that shows you that no matter how much you pressure them if they don't like it and they don't feel it they're not going to vote for it so your only choice, your only option is to then second guess what kind of films they, they are going to like. I mean, if you read, you're, you're feeding the monster by by saying that these people have their way, and you got to respect that. No, I you got to re- you you have to re- you have to practice reverse psychology with them. That's the only way. Fuck them. What no, are they? Are they, are they uh, <laughs> people with a mental problem? You have to talk to them a certain way. I'm <laughs> saying if you can criticize them all you want, if you want a contender to get in. If you want that to happen, if you care about that happening, um, then you have to practice reverse psychology. If you don't care about the winning... By the way, you have to read Charlie Kaufman's screenplay because it's all about this. (laughs) (laughs) It is so funny. It's one of the funniest things I've ever read. And especially as I'm sitting here talking about the Oscars, I'm flashing back to his screenplay because he creates the most grotesque picture of the Academy and the Oscars you've ever seen. Oh, you have it, Sasha? I read it. And it's a freak show, man. It's like... The Oscars get off, 
are, get the absolute worst treatment of everybody. That's the Oscars wild. themselves. Why do you think he calls it Frank or Francis? Mm, that's a good question, dude. You know, I mean, he seemed to be saying, do you like one or the other, or do you do you identify more with one or the other? You know, I don't like know, that, but right? all I know is he nailed it. And I know he's been following online. I know he has, because I, I wrote this in my thing, which is that I've been following him for yeah. since my site started. 1999 was when Being John Malkovich came out. So the whole time he's been working, I've been doing my Oscar site, and nobody has been a bigger hero than Charlie Kaufman on the message boards. Everybody loved him until Synecdoche. Synecdoche. No, no, it's Schenectady. Schenectady came out. And then it was like the worm turned and suddenly nobody liked Charlie Kaufman anymore. And that's sort of, I think, what this is a little bit about because Frank is Charlie Kaufman uh-huh. and Francis is like the blogger <laughs> or the yeah, he's, commenter. He's or the Malcolm of any number of, uh, of us, yeah. Yeah, he is. And, and um, right, and, and all the commenters on our sites. It's sort of the angry internet in a person. And, you know, but when he says stuff like, um, such and such movie is going to sweep, you know, <laughs> like it opens with them watching the Oscars, you know. And, and well, maybe you can get a cameo, Sasha. No, no, no. He's sitting there tapping out, you know, comments, Francis. You know, I got to comment on this. Blah, blah, blah. It's so funny. <laughs> and he's like, there's, and he keeps throwing out things like, I want my two hours back. You know, you're such a racist. Everything's, everybody's a racist. Every, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, what's going to happen with George Clooney's The Ides of March next weekend? Uh, right now we're thinking 10 million. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's, that's, that's pretty light, no? Yeah, I mean, uh, originally I was higher on it. I, originally I was closer to, like, 15 million, but we're, we're just not seeing it. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I think it goes back to, you know, there, there's more bad news about the economy now, and people are just in the mood for uplift. That's why you see, you know, Lion King stays number one, two weekends in a row, and, and Dolphin Tail can, can be number one in its second weekend. Um, people just aren't in the mood for cynical stuff right now. And, right. You know, obviously, you know, the Ides of March is a big, you know, helping of... <laughs> When have, Phil, so, when have people been in the mood for cynical stuff? Oh, they were. When was that? Yeah. I just, I'm not saying it wasn't, but just give well, me like, a time period. Well, and, and, okay, let me put it this way. Um, they're not in the mood for, for cynical political stuff right now because we're, we're in, the, in the midst of, you know, this dog and pony show that, that is already the, you know, fight yeah. for the Republican nomination. And people, are, I think, are seeing too much of it on the news already. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a case of, you know, why am I going to go to the movie theaters to pay for something that I can basically see on TV, which is, you know, t- political pundits and, and political uh, lackeys, you know, fighting each other, um, which yeah. is unfortunate because, I mean, this is I, th- I think this movie is kind of, you know, getting um, it's not getting the kind of critical support it should be because people are looking at it and trying to see something that's not there. They're saying, well, okay, it's no big revelation that politics is shit. Well, that's fine. I mean, to me, I I look at this as kind of, I I haven't heard anybody make this comparison, but for me, this is like the Glengarry Glenn Ross of political movies. Mm. Glengarry Glenn Ross wasn't a revelation. We all knew going into that movie that salesmen are assholes. Fine. Uh The pleasure of that movie is watching great actors play off each other for an hour and a half and tell each other to fuck off constantly and, and just be assholes all the time. And that's what this movie is to me. I could watch Philip Seymour Hoffman and Paul Giamatti play off each other for three hours. and Easily. And not, you know what I mean? And that's that's what this is. That's the pleasure of this movie. It's no Those guys rep- are... 
Yeah. So you know, they're pure ice cream. They're pure dessert. Those guys, and nothing but pleasure to watch those guys. Uh, yeah. So so no big deal. So fine. It doesn't it doesn't come up with any new revelations. Big deal. It's it's just a great movie to to watch and and soak in. And I I can't uh, wait to see it again. You know. I'm sensing an ominous silence coming from Saka. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that our, our, you know, the person who, you know, her finger on the pulse of the community. You haven't seen it, right? No, I've seen it. Ides of March. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dude, no, I went I, to the I, premiere, I, I, man. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved Ides of March. I'm, I'm going to be one of the people in its corner. It's just that, oh. and I don't want to start in with the Academy this, the Academy that. Um, They're going to love this film. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sasha. I'm being, I'm being rude. Go ahead. I actually don't know if they will or not. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know how it's going to go because of the weird way Best Picture is being decided this year. But, um, but Academy aside, just what did I think about the movie? Um, I thought it was incredible. I mean, I loved George Clooney in it. I thought he was gives his best performance. I mean, the, both The Descendants and Ides of March show two sides of Clooney I just didn't know he had in him. You know, the evil side on um, Ides of March, which is absolutely stunningly brilliant. And then his more, you know, raw, touchy-feely kind of emotional side in The Descendants. I think it's just between Brad Pitt and George Clooney, those two icons are having a, a great year. Great now, years, quick, both of them. Quick question for you guys about Ides of March. Do you think they're going to run... I mean, Ryan Gosling is the lead in this, but do you think yeah. they're going to run him as supporting? Nah. Is it one of those cases where he's overshadowed? Or by the bigger guy so much that he, he's not considered a lead? I think he has or... a really good chance of getting nominated for the lead because he's okay. um, he's not going to get in for Drive. And he also had Crazy Stupid Love this year. So he's pretty popular. Yeah. And he kind of got shafted last year with Blue Valentine. And kind of. Kind of. <laughs> did, so yeah, yeah. he got shafted. So it's like they're going to, I think, look at that and say, okay, well, this is this is a more palatable. Plus, he's great in it. Yeah. He's great in Ides of March, isn't he? No, I'll tell you what, what goes wrong. It's not him, but he's, he goes into kind of a, a shock freeze mode <laughs> when he realizes that uh, his, his hero, his employer, the governor, who's based on, who's roughly based uh, on, on um, Howard Dean, uh, it has, has diddled the, um, the, the intern. You know, and it's, if there's anything, I, we've said this before, but there's anything that is completely routine, almost to the point of being tedious, almost to the point of being boring, it's that politicians will have it off with the occasional campaign worker in the heat of the campaign going from motel to motel across the, across the country. So I don't see what the big deal is, you know. And he f does freak out. He's like, what? You know, he, he's, he's really shocked to the, to the bone. I, that doesn't yeah. strike me as a... Uh, as a well, that's not what it's that. about, though. <clears throat> it's about it's 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 about him coming in as an idealistic um, person who yeah. believes yeah. in politics, and yeah. he's meeting up with a guy who he thinks is like him. He realizes he has to get down and dirty to play the game of politics. He trans has he knows he has to if he wants to be in politics like Philip Seymour Hoffman, like George Clooney, he's going to become one of them. He's going to have to transform from being an idealistic person. To being a shark, you know, or one, another rat in the rat race, and um, and that scene between them shows that clearly. And so I think what he's shocked at is not Clooney; he's shocked at himself at who he's become and who he has to become to stay in politics. From what little I know of uh, presidential primary politics or just regular campaign, is it unheard of? Is it like a complete no-no? to never, ever sit down and have a cup of coffee with the other side just to sh shoot the shit? I guess it must be. I didn't know that either. 
I didn't either. I, I would think, why not? You know, you're all in the same game. Your guy, my yeah. guy, whatever. You know. Yeah, that was what confused me. Like when he, when when Clooney sets him up to be taken to the other side. Yeah. Um, is he doing that? I thought he was doing it because of Evan Rachel Wood, but I don't think he was because he didn't know. Because you know, he doesn't he doesn't say that he knows. And then, um, so it must have been because he met with the with the Republican guy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, like uh, somebody was saying, um, uh, it's not my original thought, but the thought was uh, a good political thriller, a good Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross type uh, political film should be a little ahead of what we know right now. You know, uh, like in the way that, let's say, Network was a little ahead of what was going on in television. Now, obviously, it became a very prophetic film, but. Uh, I don't think you can honestly say that um, that uh, Eyes of March, which was again written and uh, premiered in '08, prior to uh, the, the the Obama campaign, uh, and and uh, and significantly the John Edwards uh, meltdown campaign over his affair, uh, I think it doesn't really. Uh, it's not ahead. It's it's it's. If anything, it's a little bit behind. It's a little about five years too late. Um, I think if you're seeing it that way, yeah, it is. But I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it as a movie about a John Edwardsy kind of thing. To me, it was more about the nature of politics, the nature yeah. of um, cynicism, and it's very right on what's going on right now with Obama, the way people are turning on him and the nature yeah. of his presidency and who he had to become to be president. <sighs> Uh, that's what it says. It accidentally tripped into a totally topical theme mm -hmm. for us and right, America right now. I don't even think it intended to, but it did. You know? Uh, no, I mean it did. I mean, look at the look at his posters in the movie. They're one hundred percent, you know, Obama posters. Yeah. So yeah, they they knew what they were doing. Yeah, you're right. You know, they know how to they knew how to keep this topical. And and I agree with your point one hundred percent, Sasha. I think this is going to become um, more relevant as more Obama fatigue sets in. Um, I think people are going to look at this and say, okay, we, we were like these characters. We went for the idealist, and he kind of didn't deliver for us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, and I and not only did he not deliver, but the nature of this job is such that you can't, can't be that kind of person and be president. Nope. You can't be that kind of person and win. My God, it is such a cynical look at politics. Um, and it's a perfect time for us to face up to that fact of my, you know, this is this is who you have to be. This is what you have to do to be in politics and to be president. And yet, at the end of that movie, you're think you're left with exactly what you're left with now. It's still better than the other side, no matter what. It's still, you know, there are you accept the good with the bad, but the good is still pretty good. You know? If Obama runs against Rick Perry, God forbid, he said he his campaign will be. Uh, I've been a letdown. You know it. I know it. I, I don't. I have an aversion to conflict. I like to compromise. Oh, he'll but, never do that. No, but under the undercurrent, that's what people will basically be saying, uh, thinking of him. Okay. See you, Phil. Wait, we got to say goodbye uh, to Phil. Yeah, yeah. I just want. I have oh, to take off, oh. guys. Some of the international. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Phil. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk, talk to you soon. soon. All right, Phil. Okay. Bye. Bye. Anyway, uh, he'll. Um, He'll basically say, I, I, I might have my problems, you might have issues with me. Are you there? Yeah, Sasha? I'm here. I'm here. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, but the other guy's crazy. Look at him, you know. And that that's why, why he'll probably get elected if Perry were to be nominated. It won't happen, but, you know. No. He's not going to ever take responsibility, Obama, for letting us down. Because in his world, he's doing what he has to do. He's playing by the rules of the game and trying to get 
done what he can get done within those rules of the game. And as we see from Ides of March, the rules of the game are pretty pretty corrupt and pretty horrible. I think it's on the American people to who put um, unrealistic expectations on Obama, more so than it is on Obama himself. And nobody will ever cop to that. But I was talking to people who were working for that campaign. Mm-hmm. It was like they were trying to elect God into office. And I just kept mm-hmm. thinking... I was a Hillary supporter early on because I knew and I had a feeling that this was going to happen to Obama. The combination of the idealistic supporters and him, his his newness into politics, that he was going to get trampled on, you know, from both sides, and he has. I don't know if Hillary would have fared better. I have no idea. But um, I don't think she would have. I think it would have been just as easy to take her down. The only difference is she's already been through the mudslinging. That's the difference mm. between the two of them. She's George Clooney in the movie. She already knows. Um, and, 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 but let me just say one thing. And, and the movie, what it does best, the thing it does best is it has that one line which says, you can, you can send people to war, you can, you can start wars, you can kill people, but you can't fuck interns. And mm-hmm. that's it, man. Look mm-hmm. at us. Look at us as people. You know, we had our president facing impeachment for having a blowjob with an intern in the yeah. Oval Office. Yeah. I mean, how ridiculous. And meanwhile, we were about to get attacked by Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda. It's like that, to me, the movie exposes more than anything. And I loved that about it. Somebody finally said what needed to be said, which is, you know, you people need to get your priorities straight. Mm-hmm. Starting wars is a hell of a lot different than getting a blowjob by a 20-year-old in the Oval Office. Impeachment, really? So that's what I loved about the movie the most, and I think that um, yeah, the uh, the right's pretty crazy. They'll um, but the most and most people during the, you know Clinton's uh, popularity uh, never really sank that much during the whole impeachment thing. Uh, people thought it was kind of ridiculous, but that didn't stop the right from saying that they were you know uh, expressing the moral rage of the average. Person. They just they just make this stuff up and they say they're they're following their constituents, but they really have their own. Their own little mindset, their own little agenda, and yeah, um, yeah. I know. Well, that's, look, that's why I laughed so much at the uh, Onion uh, parody of a few days ago, in which they uh, ran uh, some some uh, Twitter posts about uh, gunfire being heard in the Capitol, and uh, um, and John Boehner taking ch- children hostage. Uh, right. and unless we get four trillion dollars, uh, these kids are going to die. You know. Right. It was a you know metaphor, a comic metaphor for holding people up for what they want. They don't give a shit about anything, so except what they want. You know. Right. I know. Well, they don't have anybody that can beat Obama, so <clears throat> they're finished this year. I don't. I don't think Mitt Romney, if he gets nominated, is going to be because people uh, know that he's uh, not a bad um, manager of money, and he, you know he fired people. That's how he got. Right. He's a Mormon. <laughs> And he's a Mormon. <laughs> They're not going to elect a Mormon. No, but they also know he's a very, very bendable, adaptable kind of like a rubber man. You know. Yeah, I know. Thing. And if he weren't a Mormon, he'd be a great candidate. Right. So what about uh, Governor Fat Fatty? What if he? Oh uh, dear. Come in? Jeff, you th- you have to read that Charlie Kaufman screenplay. You're just going to die. It's so funny. What's that got to do with with Chris Christie? You'll see <laughs> when you read it. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of politics. There's a little bit of, of lampooning. Because uh, they're saying country. he might change his mind. It's conceivable he might change his mind. Ah, and you think he's going to get elected? Do no you way. feel that his the metaphor of his being a fat man is going to uh, somehow people are going to say, well, he's obviously likes his 
pleasures and likes his sweets and you know he doesn't have a lot of discipline i don't know about that i mean americans seem to really like their um flawed leaders they loved clinton and Mm -hmm. you know and bush bush was you know so dumb and so obviously dumb but nobody cared they liked that about him um so i don't know he he got pretty good grades in yale Mm, i don't think he did he got mediocre grades didn't he i thought he got B's, B pluses. Yeah, he's not. He didn't have a terrible failing grades. Couldn't cut it. I mean, right. uh, I, I don't think that he's dumb as much as he's completely uninterested in, 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 in being curious about things. And he just was likes to be comfortable in his own little world. And maybe, like, maybe, uh, yeah. I think that's a good read on him. But again, like Ides of March, it's like you know, once you're in that awful, sick world, you just kind of zone out and tune out and stop caring. Uh, you know, you just. They point you in the direction that they want you to go, and you just do what they tell you to do. Right. Did you happen to see uh, mm. Michael Moore's uh, Capitalism: A Love Story? I sure did. Yep. I love the part at the you know at the beginning where he's standing next to that Wall Street guy, and the Wall Street guy leans in and whispers to um, George Bush. It's George Bush, right? And he says, "Who's that guy telling the president to wrap it up?" You know. <laughs> Who? <laughs> has the nerve to tell the president of the United States to wrap up his speech. And he's uh-huh. like, this guy, and it's, you know, it's Wall Street guy. So it's like, you know, George Bush was just controlled completely. That was actually um, uh, the Treasury uh, Secretary telling Reagan to wrap it up. Okay, sorry. That was You're right. But same idea, Bush. same idea. Was it really Reagan? That's what it was. It was it was Donald, um, it was the guy who he appointed to be head of the Fed. He was a former... Um, uh, former uh, Goldman Sachs, something. Goldman he, Sachs. He was one of the major uh, thing, and he was the head of the Treasury uh, by, under Reagan. Okay, I need to watch it again. I'm so stupid. I'm sorry, I made that. Mistake. No, it's the same uh, same basic idea, you know. Yeah, but anyway, um, I love that movie because you know he he takes you <clears throat> all the way through Carter telling people that they can't live off consumption and um, you know. It goes from Carter and then Reagan and then, you know, the things start to take a huge dive. And now here we are with these Wall Street protests happening and they are not being covered by mainstream news at all. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but Mm -hmm. nobody's covering these stories except for in print. They finally are. But they're they're happening all over the country. Hmm. There's one here in L.A. They're in Denver, you know, Boston, Chicago. They're starting up everywhere. It's it's lovely. I mean, with absolutely no. I love that there's really no. What are you gonna get out of this? What's the? What would you like to see happen? Right. Um, you know, there. What what referendum? Well, it's just like the anti-war. What what exactly were anti-war, uh, anti-Vietnam War demonstrators looking to have happen? Uh, you know, they just wanted to be out there and say this is awful. We we think this is vile, it's, and I love yeah. that people are doing that. So it's public sentiment coming out of a what seemed to be a totally hypnotized, brain dead, numbed out culture. You know, it's like we're, mm-hmm. we're eating too much. We're watching too much TV. We're not doing anything to change yeah. our world. And here are these people out there, you know, getting arrested, protesting. It changes public sentiment so that the next time a politician stands up on the podium, they have to answer for that shit, you know. Right. And maybe it'll sway votes one way or the other. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm as cynical as anybody and believe that nothing's ever going to change. But I like that they're out there trying. Here's a piece by Frank Bruni in the New York Times about Chris Christie's weight. So there are a great many things that Chris Christie is indeed too fat for. 
Spelunking, for one. Wriggling through subterranean caverns is safest for those of a lesser circumference. And a middle seat and coach, that would be cruel to the people on the window and the aisle. Uh, but the presidency, that's ludicrous. Downgrade Gristie for his truculent style. Reject him for his limited experience. But don't dwell on his heft. See, I'm not the only person mentioning this. A lot of people are talking about it. So. Well, I didn't think you were the only one. I know people are. I just don't think it's relevant, particularly. I know it's the thing people want to talk about, but... Surely there are other things we can talk about about this guy besides that, you know. Well, he's a he's a he's a likable moderate Republican. He's not a crazy guy. That's but he's a why. newbie, isn't he? He's like He's not a Republican? No, he's a newbie. He's not, you know. Oh. He doesn't I'm have sorry. a lot of experience, right? I thought I thought you said Indy. I couldn't hear you clearly. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he's a, he's a newbie. He'll never yeah. win. No way. I'm sorry, but this is... There a- goes the old Oscar uh, Academy thinking. No way. <laughs> he says, he doesn't have a chance. I mean, they, they've done studies where people just... I mean, I, I hate to say it because I don't believe in this, but they, they do. They judge fat people more harshly, overweight people much more harshly. And we live in a very superficial country. You can't get elected unless you're a hot dude. I know I just... I'm flipping around exactly what I said before about people don't care if he's imperfect or whatever. But I think in the end... It might come down to that, to looks. And Obama will win. <laughs> in a column about Christie's size in the Washington Post, Eugene Robinson, who we all know from MSNBC, noted that the governor, quote, speaks often about the need for officials to display leadership. <clears throat> His response, well, Governor Crispy, lead thyself. Crispy. Eat, eat a salad and take a walk. Oh. Anyway, yeah. In a Bloomberg View column, Michael Kinsley was blunter and meaner, asserting that Christie quote quote cannot be president; he is just too fat. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. Who was the last really rotund president we had? That would be Grover Cleveland, I guess. Uh, I suppose. That's back in the day when a portly, uh, even an obese man, that was a sign of 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 prosperousness, of, of 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 you know doing well in life. Oh, there goes a man who we respect and admire. Look how big he is. Mm. That, well, that was the thinking. Then. If he's a great president, I don't care if he's fat or not. That's the Me thing. Too. So I I, I'd rather know more about his his politics than his weight. And and you know, frankly, um, he gets a lot of shit for that. Well, Obama smoked, you know, and and sure. he didn't. Yeah. He still got elected when he smoked. And it's like smoking is just as bad for your health as being fat. I think they're about equal in terms of life expectancy. Um, well, not to let this conversation <laughs> die of, uh, of lack of energy, but you did say that people like their flawed heroes. So I know, they, I know. That's what I'm saying. I flip flop. They don't like fat people. I totally flip flop that. I'm sorry about that. I think in the end, I think the Republicans will be fine with it because they like their flawed heroes. But I think in the end, when it if it came down to Christie and Obama, Obama would win because Obama's cuter and looks better on TV and is thin. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. If you want to go that route. You know, I don't know what happened. I just, as soon as you started talking just now, I started thinking about, I had a, (laughs) I was thinking about Governor, President Chris Crispy getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. Crispy, not Crispy. Crispy, Crispy. And I don't want to think about things like that. I don't know where it came from, but it was silly and I'm sorry. Oh no, did it give you an erection? (laughs) I'll cut that out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I, you know, I actually have to say that I, I don't, I'm not unattracted to, to heavy men. I think that I find them very sexually attractive, and a lot okay. of women do. By the way, it's okay. like a secret that nobody knows. 
but right. a lot of women do find men like that because there's a heft to them, and you know that's what you want on top of your heft. <laughs> but Sorry. but how about this though? Uh, I would if I were uh, um, a man who liked to be uh, uh, make love to other men, or if I was a woman, I would say to myself, a uh, big and and hefty and you know powerful bodies and all that stuff, but not blubber. I don't think that's attractive. He doesn't look blubbery big. though. Okay. I don't think. Right. Do you? He doesn't look blubbery to me. Uh, maybe not. No, he doesn't look obese. He just looks like a very big man. Yes, true. So. I, I honestly, when I look at him, I do not think I am not grossed out. Like okay. I don't think he's gross at all to me. He's, yeah. He's, he's a nice looking guy too. He's kind of he's handsome. He's, he's a, has a nice face. So, nice smile. So. Yeah, I don't have the same weird fat phobia that you have. So especially with men, you know. Hmm. All right. So the um, uh, I wanted to say I, I saw Miss Bala uh, last night. I did a little uh, thing about it today. I think it's a uh, magnificent film, and and this is your cue to jump in and say, oh no, the Academy isn't going to go, for, or rather, the foreign branch is not going to go for a uh, film like this as a best foreign. But I think it's by far uh, this and the uh, and the Iranian film um, uh, yeah. uh, separation are the two far and away best. Um, Entries I've seen. Uh, mm. Of course, that doesn't carry a lot of weight because I haven't seen it that much. But uh, from from the foreign end of things, but it's wonderful. It's a great uh, classic Antonioni thriller type film, and it has to be seen. Really, everybody. I mean, not just. You know. And of course, we all know that the people that go to regular action films are going to pass it up because they don't want to go to a subtitled movie and they don't want to see something that has a kind of an arty quality to it. So that there goes, you know, that's why they're only opening it in cities, I believe. It's a fairly, fairly sparse, uh, like, I don't know, maybe 50 theaters or 100 theaters. I don't even know, I think it's 100 theaters. I shouldn't talk. I don't have the facts in front of me. No, I know, but honestly, like, I can't even imagine how hard it would be to sell a movie right now in this climate, you know. People are so tight with their money. Nobody wants to spend it on anything, you know. I guess, like, you could count on the senior citizen matinee crowd to go see these foreign films, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I wouldn't count on any of them making a lot of money. Well, but you just, you're generalizing in general, and I understand in that. General. But this is, this is a thrilling film that turns you on. It's like if you have any feeling for for movies that are that really know how to do what they're doing and do it in a different way and it, this is it's really like the cat's meow. Yeah. You know. Right. You should, and uh, by by it opens on the 14th, so you must have been contacted, right? About Not yet. It. No, I haven't been, but I I'm sure I will be, you know, I'm sure a screening invite is on its way as we speak. No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's the kind of movie I'll definitely get a screener for, I bet. You know, all the foreign films, that you always end up with screeners for those. And the reason is that, and they're right, is that Oscar um, bloggers and publicity with foreign film, it's like documentary. It's like they do whatever they want to do. You don't really have a lot of control over that because the voting for those are totally different than they are for the other categories. You're actually ha you're required to see all of them, okay. so to vote. So you the committee has to see them. So they judge them differently than we do. We look at publicity and buzz and stuff like that on movies, but that it just doesn't apply in the documentary or foreign film or shorts okay. for that matter. So there's not a lot of publicity you can do for them. They just decide whatever the hell they want to do. Um, Let me just go jump back quickly, then we can ease up on this. But the Ryan Gosling for best. Actor or supporting actor, either one for uh, because not one, supporting. Because he, 
Not supporting. Okay. No, fine. he's the lead in Ides of March, dude. He's totally but the he's, lead. Uh, no but question. It's, remember, it's it's it, they they vote for the characters that they relate to. They feel in some way tells their story or is them, someone who's um, and it, I didn't feel that much kinship with him. You're telling me you felt a kinship with this guy because he was being disillusioned by the tough, scrappy nature of politics. That's that's. No, I think a, the only uh, way he gets in is if there's a lot of. For instance, we don't know what the critics are going to say about the Ides of March. It might come out and they, it gets panned. And if it gets panned, it's not getting anywhere near Oscar. But if it gets good reviews, I mean, they're thinking of it like Chris and Anne are thinking of it like Frost Nixon. That it's going to be like that. It's going to be Frost Nixon just kind of glided in. Of course, Frost Nixon had one hell of a publicity team behind it. And it was already named one of the five best pictures early on in the year. And that's not the case with this. We don't even know how many nominees there are going to be for best picture. You know, we have no idea. Odds of March has to come in at a, at a significant number of voters' number one choice to get in. Number one. It's a completely satisfying film for uh, an adult audience looking for something that's just satisfying and fun. And it's a good, whatever, 100 minutes and you're out of there. And I didn't have any problem with it at all. But it's, it's not doesn't have that resonance, that, that, that undercurrent of, of, wow, that means something. That matters. i got to see that again. i got to buy the DVD. It doesn't have that feeling. Oh, it did to me because the writing's so smart. And the okay. writing is so smart and it's about a subject that is important to me right now. Um, Right. I could have, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of go back and forth on the Evan Rachel Wood sex scandal part of it. I think that takes a lot away from the, the context of the film, the significance of the film, even though it's important and pivotal. And you could probably couldn't make the movie without it, you know, because the stage play doesn't have it. But that's fine for a stage play. But to transfer it to film, you need something bigger. Um it was okay, but it distracts, you know. It distracts mm. a little bit from what's good about the story, I thought. Okay. So. All right. So next week we're just basically it's a it's a it's a March weekend. That's pretty much the only thing that of any real significance that opens. Uh, there's Dirty Girl, which was um, originally shown in Toronto in 2010 and seems to not have a lot of uh, uh, heat behind it. Um, there's a um, Human Centipede 2, which is coming out limited. There's a uh, uh, Real Steel, which is an IMAX thing, and uh, I didn't even—I don't even know what that is. I mean, know that, I, I know that Tom McCarthy uh, kind of gave it a negative. Did you hear about it or read? No, it? I haven't. Uh, it's totally not on my radar at all. Blue okay. Real Steel or whatever. No. There's the Martin um, Sheen uh, trekking across Spain movie called The Way, which isn't half bad. I um, sort of like that. I, I think it's kind of on a minor key, but it's a right. nice little film. Emilio directed it. Right. And that's about it. Uh, let me see. There's a thing called The Incendiary, the Willingham case. It's a doc I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that's about it. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's basically a George Clooney weekend next week. And then the following week on October 14th, it, of course, is Miss Bala. And then um, there's also The, the Thing. Right, right. Um, which I don't think anybody cares about. Uh, there's Footloose. I don't know why anybody would want to see, <laughs> see that. Uh, I thought it was a bad idea in 1984. It shows how much I know. But uh, mm. John Lithgow's performance uh, as a, you know, no, we can't have dancing. It, it was based on a true story, as you may know. I think it happened in Oklahoma. Right. 
boring. Well, really bored by this. I can just. I, tell no, I'm you. sorry. I didn't like the. I'm sorry. I didn't like the original Footloose particularly. I know that makes me a horrible person, but I didn't like it, and I just have no desire to see this one. I mean, right now my my attention is focused on the Oscar race because we're we're right in the heat of it. So I'm just looking at the movement there. You know, I'm looking at how Moneyball does. I'm going to be looking at how Ides of March does with critics. How much money it makes. How much money they make. I want to see Jay Edgar. Find out what that's all about. You know, we just come to a to a to a accommodation here. Do we have to say whether it's Oscar material or not? Every time we talk about a film, can't we just half just talk about life and movies? And what I'm we happy love? to do that. That's all we've been doing for months. And do you then, realize this is episode? Zoom into the was it Oscar or not? You know, definitely cover this. Yeah, is but I, I know. But like for instance, Footloose, zero interest there for me. But I mean, I can talk about it with you if you're interested. In- <laughs> I'm just talking about it because we like movies, right? I'm not talking about the fucking Oscars. You know what, though, dude? It's episode 50 of Oscar Poker. This is Oscar (laughs) Poker. I'm just saying let's half the time just talk about movies and what we love and what stirred us. And then the other half... Okay, but but Footloose is never going to be that movie for me, just so you know. But, you know, um, but yes, Miss Bala will be good. And, And by the way, if you're feeling any sort of kind of fallout from all the talk about Oscar blogging this week from James Rocky kind of dismantling them on your comments board. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, I know, and a big fight ensued. Die, uh, and die in a fire, he said. <laughs> die in a fire. Should all Oscar coverage die in a fire? Because he's, I guess he's a purist who thinks that, you know, he's he's Ryan Gosling before he gets into the eyes of, before he gets to start working with oh, George Clooney. Oh. James, James Rocky, uh, what he's saying is that people like you and me are um, or playing ball in a way that we all, you know, that it's not uh, uh, about movie worship. It's mm-hmm. about playing ball with the people that are in the game. And he plays ball. We, oh, we all I play know, ball. He just Everybody plays does. ball in his way by going to junkets and doing these things, you know. He plays ball. We all play ball. So. It's a it's a playing ball, but it's also we didn't invent the game. The game's always been there. We're just playing yeah. it as you know, inserting right. ourselves into it and playing a game that was already long in place way before right. we came around. As mm-hmm. Damien Bona always reminds me, you know, people were doing Oscar watching long before the web was even invented. And not only were they doing Oscar watching, they were not only predicting the Oscars, but there was a you know a huge Oscar machine in place. Publicists, studios making Oscar movies, Variety and Hollywood Reporter getting for your consideration ads. You know this stuff's been going on forever. It's mm-hmm. just that you know on the web, like with everything else, just like with cooking or sports or anything else, politics, people start writing about things that that you know I guess they're not supposed to be writing about. Right. Um, but the Charlie mm-hmm. Kaufman thing is funny because it kind of addresses it, but it doesn't particularly go after Oscar bloggers. It goes after more, more or less the people who kind of write on your comment board, those mm-hmm. type of people, and then film critics, self-appointed film critics, and you know that sort of thing. It's not so much, although he does really go after the Oscars themselves. But if if um, if he's waiting, um, if he's if James Rocky is waiting for for Charlie Kaufman to totally dismantle Oscar bloggers, he has to wait a little bit longer because I don't know what he does in this movie. Okay, well I'm looking forward to a wonderful read that this is going to be. By the way, did you happen to read in the trades? I, I'm not up on this. Is it going to be made, or is it just some uh, script that everybody's starting to talk about, or do you do you know? Which one? This is Charlie is Kaufman? The, is is the Charlie Kaufman uh, in 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 place for something that's definitely going to be cast and made, or? Do you, do you know? It's cast already. It's in motion. Fine. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, Nicolas Cage and uh, Steve Martin and uh, Jack Black. Oh, see, I, I thought we were talking about maybe attachments. I just didn't know. So it's absolutely cast and ready to go and going to shoot sometime or next year or whatever. Right? I guess so. I mean, I, I'm starting to think that these studios deliberately plant the scripts out there to see if how people react to them because it's just a little, especially when they're in the development stage sure. and they're looking for a green light. Mm-hmm. So it's like if Tarantino puts out Django Unchained, it helps it get mm-hmm. a deal. I mean, I don't know. I sound like a probably an ignoramus. Maybe this is already everybody knows this is how it works. But it seems like the Charlie Kaufman script was slipped out there so that to generate publicity and talk so that they could maybe put it in motion. Mm-hmm. Not sure. But either way, I know it's in motion. Um, is it a script that has been, in your estimation, widely disseminated? Has it gotten around uh, well, just I, the last couple of days? Or what? I thought it was, except for I read a big, long thing on the playlist about it. The guy, Gabe, had already read it, and he wrote a big, long thing about the script. So okay. I wouldn't have even written about it if I hadn't seen that. But it's already right. out there. So, yeah, right. I guess it's, it's making the rounds, you know. Hmm. All right, wonderful. Looking forward to a nice, relaxing Sunday read. And thank you very much for, um, for sharing the time as we have a lovely time every Sunday. Yeah. And, um, and enjoy the <laughs> In other part. words, I want to get off the phone as fast as I can. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeff, enjoy your time in New York, and I'll talk okay. to you next week. All right, be well. Take care. All right, you do. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you've got been listening to episode 50 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music was If You Wanna by The Vaccines and Fat by The Violent Femmes. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. I don't care. I don't care. How heavy. Come back, I hope.